I've titled today's message, We Are Not Fighting Against Flesh and Blood. Amen. And uh, I want to I ground us biblically in uh, some of what I think is the fight, because our nation is in the midst of a major uh, fist fight right now in the heavens. You know from Daniel chapter 10, uh, Daniel 7 and 10, it says that, uh, remember when uh, Daniel prayed, and 21 days after he prayed the revelation of the fact as soon as Daniel started praying, Michael the archangel angel showed up and uh, told him, when you started praying, Daniel, I, we fought in the heavenlies over the spirit prince of Persia, which is where Daniel was in Babylon, right? He had been carried off in Babylon due to Israel's sin. He's in the Persia, which Iran changed their name from Persia to Iran in 1937, so there's a spirit prince over Iran who Michael engaged with as soon as Daniel, who was in exile, started praying for his restoration of his people. There was a food fight in the heavens. We also know that Michael said, look, I can't stay very long because I got to go. There's another. I'm engaging in another spiritual battle. So there is a food fight for our nation right now. Just turn on the news. I suggest you turn on Fox News, but that's just me um, because there is a... Um, a move about, first of all, it's so unbiblical. Romans 13 says we are to honor those in authority. And those that are cursing Mr. Trump and his administration and doing everything. Look, I'm so glad he has an a, uh, executive order. I can tell you what I think now without worrying about being arrested. Not, not, that, I was arre- not that I was afraid before. Um, so, look, it's time for us to pray. We want our nation to succeed. There's a spiritual battle going on in the heavenlies. Because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This spirit prince over the U.S. of immorality and greed and self-centeredness and selfishness, that needs to come down. All right. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. Let me first, this ought to be real simple for those, but I want to get us all on the same page. Question. Is there a spirit world? Biblically, the answer is absolutely yes. Is God a spirit who worships him? We worship him in spirit and truth, right? There's a time coming. God is spirit. Now, he happened to manifest in flesh, John 1 tells us. He came and took human form, but he was still God. Do human beings have a spirit? Of all the countless people I've prayed with who've gone to be with the Lord, you can look at them beforehand, even if they're in a coma, and when that spirit leaves them, it's obvious, right? We are tripart beings, Scripture tells us. Are there angels? Even if you've never seen one, they are biblically true. In fact, Hebrews says they are sent as ministering spirits to assist the redeemed. Are there fallen angels? How do you know that? What scripture? Revelation chapter 12, right? The battle in the heavens. We're going to look at that in a minute. There are fallen angels. Many believe that's the one-third of the stars that Isaiah speaks of swept out of in that great battle in the heavens. The good news, he was devil and his angels were thrown out. One-third of the fallen angels were thrown out of heaven. The bad news is they ended up on earth, okay? And we now battle with them, and so... Uh, so we battle against these things. Do we battle spiritually? Hello. Do we battle with our flesh? Hello. 
just go on a fast and tell you, you know, and see how you do. Um, okay, so these are grounded parts that I wanted to ask you. Is it important that we know our enemy? Is it important what weapon you use against your enemy? Right. Now, you know I'm a hunter. I make no bones about that. But when I'm out bear hunting, I don't bring a BB gun to bear hunt. That'd be just like really goofy. In fact, uh, Juan and my son-in-law and I, my, my hunting club, they, I think they shot 11 bears last year. One was 550 pounds. One of the grandpas I was with very close by, within a few yards of it, this bear came out, 550-pound bear came out within 10 yards of him. Now, he had one of those rifles that, you know. You need to know what your weapon is, and you need to know who your enemy is. Because if you try to use the wrong weapon, remember David? They figured, hey, everybody, that, that big Goliath, let's put Saul's armor on him. Too big, didn't fit, would have to get in close quarters with a sword. No, no, no. David was trained with a sling. Give me a couple of polished rocks because there's only one part of his armor that was open right here. Right weapon, right choice, knew his enemy, took him out, then took the sword and lopped off his head. So knowing your enemy and knowing which weapon really matters spiritually and physically and emotionally. So let's, uh, let's unpack this. Why don't you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Very familiar. I'm going to ground you in some real familiar scripture. And then we're going to move. Let me ask you this question. Is there a spirit behind a movie? Is there a spirit behind a book? Is there a spirit behind a relationship? Yes. Think about that. Um, let, how about Harry Potter? Let's use that example. Rawlings writes all these books. The spirit behind Harry Potter is indoctrination of witchcraft. I've seen the consequences of that in England. And so when she was writing her first, now you look at the, the, the practice of that. Um, you can wink at it and say, oh, well, pastor, you're getting a little wound up. Deuteronomy 18.10 says, tell your people. I'm going to read it to you. You don't need to turn there. Let me, let me read it to you. If you need a biblical reference about why you don't visit medium psychics, we don't go to horoscopes, we don't go into, oh, well, that, we don't watch movies like the medium. Um, there's movies coming out now that says this movie's about this inhabited spirit of a woman who was murdered. And you ought not to be watching that trash. But let me give you a call to holy living. Deuteronomy 18, 9. When you, speaking of the people of Israel, enter into the land that God is giving you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter in burnt offerings. That's the spirit of Molech. Do not let your people, do not let your people Practice fortune-telling, use sorcery, interpret ohms, engage in witchcraft, cast spells, functions as mediums or psychics, or call on the fourth, the spirits of the dead, that's necromancing, anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. That doesn't get much clearer than that. It is because other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers, fortune tellers, and the Lord God forbids you to do such things. 
That doesn't waver a whole lot. That's pretty black and white, right? So if you get caught up in some of that trash, repent and ask the Lord to forgive you, like that happens at prayer ministry. Those are things that are either we do things in our ignorance or in rebellion. Either way, the Lord says don't do it. All right. There is a spirit behind a relationship. If you're um, looking for a serious relationship and you go to the bar and the person that you meet at the bar is there for a one-night stand, what is the spirit that is behind that person? It's fornication. Now, you may come there with the right intentions and a good desire, but guess what? You just walked into a place where you engage the spirit. I don't care how dressed up it looks and how nice it appears. There's a reason they call alcohol spirits, right? Look at any ABC star. It says spirits, right? What happens when you drink alcohol and you get inebriated? You become under the influence of that. In fact, many, many people get wrapped up in relationships and do things because their guard is down after they've had a few too much. What's the spirit behind alcohol? What's the spirit? I mean, this is not rocket science. We, we need to know that when you watch a horror movie, the spirit behind a horror movie is fear. And God hasn't given us fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, he said in Timothy. So what's the spirit behind pornography? Lust, seduction, adultery, fornication. If you partner with those things, you become engaged with it, you come soul tie connected with it, and it will produce death in your life, right? So this is, again, this is spiritual warfare and wisdom 101. So what's the spirit behind certain nations? Think about it. The spirit behind a nation. In, in Haiti, the main religion is voodoo. If you look at some of the consequences of their nation, they've been through a lot. It might be they might want to change that in that place of focus. We was desire our nation to be a nation of liberty and freedom and justice for all. Even when we don't measure up to that, that spirit that was founded by the people who built this foundational place, it's not a perfect nation. There's none. But there ought to be this place where this nation and what we carry as a people is that spirit. Amen. No argument here, right? Let's look at the outline. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. Do we know who the enemy is? And do we know the spirit that is behind the battles that we face? We're told to fight with weapons that are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of demonic strongholds. Do you see yourself? This is, I think, a really valid question. Do you see yourself as a saint? St. Thomas. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Sounds kind of prideful. Um, or do you see yourself as a sinner saved by grace? Saint? Uh, now, I've got to tell you, when I was in pursuit, probably mom and grandma praying me in, maybe my wife at the same time, she got saved, um, I felt like a sinner that needed grace. And so that can be an do open door. We realize, oh my gosh, if I don't, when I come to the reality, it says no man comes to the Lord unless he's drawn, right? When, they, when that drawing circumstances, situations are going on, and we come to the reality like, I am as lost as Hogan's goat, right? I need, I need a Savior. Well, that's all right. I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But once I come to that revelation, 
I believe there's a transition that happens in spiritual warfare when we come to recognize we are sons and daughters. And you can't read the lyrics of our songs without getting a revelation of that. You know, we say, well, I got saved. You know, I found Jesus. No, Jesus found you, right? And so, and so we need to understand this revelation. All right, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Very familiar. Paul tells the church at Ephesus, which was in revival, there'd been riots and then there was revival breaking out. Timothy actually became the senior pastor of the church at Ephesus. And he gives this final word, verse 10, Ephesians 6, 10. I'll read out of the New Living. In a final word, be strong in the Lord and with his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we know, we know, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, but against, now look at the different hierarchy, evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, or as a result of, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. Shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on the salvation as helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. When you look at what Paul just outlined, it's kind of neat that he says, look at the weapons of warfare here. Salvation. You need to put the helmet of salvation. You need to know the salvation. You need to put the belt of truth. You need to know the truth. These are the weapons. Salvation, truth, faith, the word, righteousness, the gospel of peace. These are spiritual weapons that Paul says, sometimes all you know to do is stand. I've been beat up in this battle and, and man, the, we know there's no armor on the back. So I'm just like standing there face to face with these dark, I don't know what else to do. I don't know how to pray. I'm worn out, but I'm just standing devil. That's all we can do. Sometimes I've had people call me in such despair. Donna called us uh, Sunday, um, Friday night after she'd found out about her daughter. And I mean, what do you say? Donna, just stand. Stand in it. There's no words of comfort. There's no wisdom that I can give her from the mystery of this. All I know is just stand. She said she would. When we see ourselves as saints, I think something happens. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 12, just so we understand how this battle is ongoing. And let me ask you to turn to the last verses of chapter 12. Let's pick up in verse 17. Revelation 12, 17. And the dragon was angry. The dragon, by the way, is defined earlier in this chapter as Satan himself in verse 9. 
Satan was angry at the woman and declared war. Many commentaries believe the woman is the church and the offspring. Some think it could be uh, Mary and the offspring of Jesus. If there's a dispensational uh, commentary, there's other. I believe this is, the, the point of this is all of us all. Look at the next verse here. It says, and the dragon, the devil was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children. Who are they? All who keep God's commandments and maintain their, maintain their testimony for Jesus. Let me read the King James. And the dragon was wroth with the woman. And he went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. If you're walking in the commandments of God, that's the moral law, the Ten Commandments. If you're walking, those who keep the commandments, those who are part of the seed, born-again believers, and those who keep their testimony in Christ. Because if you're messing where you shouldn't have been a messing, the devil doesn't need to even come. You're already messing it up. But if you're walking, then he's like, you're in the target zone. He, he's got you in the scope, right? And so we know now, let's go back to Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun and moon beneath her feet, the crown, 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out because of the labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns on his head. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky and threw them down to earth. He stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, ready to devour the baby as soon as it was born. Many believe that was Christ and some believe it's the church, but we know what Jesus said, the church will prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. She gave birth to the son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God to his throne. And the woman fled in the wilderness where God had prepared the place to care for her 1260 days. Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the world was thrown down to earth with his angels. That's where many believe this is the demonic realm that's here on earth. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ and the accuser of his brothers and sisters have been thrown down to earth. And the one who accuses day and night, they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as being even afraid to die. Therefore, who live in heaven rejoice, but terror comes on earth and on the sea. And the devil has come down to you in great anger because he knows he has little time. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child but she was given two wings, those of the great eagle, so she could fly to a place prepared in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time and a times and a half time. The dragon tried to drown the woman with flood of water, 
the flood flowed down from his mouth, but the earth helped by opening up its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry and at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony. So if there's any clarity to this, it's like we're at war. If you say, I believe in Jesus, I'm doing my best to keep his commandments, I'm walking my testimony out, then you are in the crosshairs. And you need to get up every morning and put on your weapons of warfare. Never take them off, actually. In fact, when I lay in bed, the first, usually when I first become aware that who I am and where I'm at, I, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for a good night's rest. Thank you for yesterday. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for this church. I just go down a litany. By the time I get my feet down on it, I'm like, ah. As opposed to whatever you first wake up and start thinking. That is a discipline of life. And so he tells us to be thankful always, all times, right? All right, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We have seen from Revelation 12, the primary weapon is the blood of Jesus, right? The primary weapon, right? They have overcome by the first one was the blood of the lamb. The primary weapon. You need to plead the blood of Jesus every day. Plead the blood of Jesus every day over your children, your grandchildren, over your circumstances, over your church, over your country. Plead that blood covering. Because when the devil sees the blood, he gets, he gets really tormented. I love it. The second one is the testimony. What is your testimony? You overcome by the blood and what you testify. Testifying truth. Testifying truth over lies that we might believe. Circumstances. Proclaiming those things. And then, of course, the last one is we love ourselves not unto death. We're so in love with Jesus. Martyrdom. I love, Randy Clark shared the, a week ago. In the last 50 years, there have been more Christians martyred than any time combined. Not a statistic we hear about. So this blood sacrifice that many, many, I shared this morning in our class, GRC Connect ministry team class, about those who have given in martyrdom. We shared about our elders who were murdered in the state of Orissa. In fact, the book that Johanan writes is in the foyer. You can pick it up about revolution and world missions, which I embrace and inquire, would all of those who want to be part of us should read. He goes on, he says, that missionary focus, that love of Jesus, that commitment we all make, no matter what happens, Lord, may I never renounce, may I never give up my faith. And he, he recounts in that book, Orissa, 2008, which two of our elders were murdered in. We had the eyewitness accounts of our pastor who survived that when the Hindus were blinded by the angels and survived. This is the real deal. We live in somewhat of a cookie-cutter world here in the United States, but it's changing. I encourage you to read that book. It, it'll, uh, it'll convict you, I hope. Revolution and World Missions by uh, uh, Y.P. Yohanan. It's in the foyer on the left-hand side. Pick one up. If you need a copy, come see me. I'll get you one. We're handing them out at, uh, at the ministry team. You can come next week and we'll get you one if you want to come at 8.15 to our ministry team training session in the great room. All right. Um, are you there? 2 Corinthians 
All right. Let's take a look at what Paul says here. Verse 3. Let's start in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3. I'm going to read King James. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against, against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let me read the New Living. It says this, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy the false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. Let me uh, give an example. One of the strongholds over our nation is spirit of Molech. If you know what's behind the spirit of abortion, it's murder. It's self-centeredness, right? It's, I justify my behavior of, if you use it as a birth control method, that's just foolish. If you get caught in it by fear, I now have determined by legal grounds from Roe v. Wade in 1973, I can kill that child because it's my body. That's a stronghold lie. But it's a spirit of Molech. It's, it existed thousands of years ago when they would make their children pass through the fire. It's another children's sacrifice. I, I want to idolatry, idolatrize myself at the sacrifice of a child. That's a stronghold over a nation. That's why there's such a battle. It's been ongoing because God wants to eradicate that. I probably get two pieces of mail every week about the birth, uh, Life Begins at Conception Act. And there's, it's moving through the court. It's going to, Roe v. Wade is going to be turned over. It's going to be turned down. It's going to happen. That is going to happen. But we, we have to pray. So what's the stronghold? The stronghold of the lie is women's right. And you're a bigot, Hauser, for being a woman, being a woman that criticizes women for having control. You want to control them. No? No. It says the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All living creatures have that right. It doesn't take a rocket science. That thing's going to turn into a baby. Yeah, come on, I mean, gee whiz. So the stronghold is we need to pull down that lying spirit, that spirit of Molech and destruction, and pray it down. Come against that. Pray in the name of Jesus. And then that stronghold will come down. As they start, they, they say, I think the statistics are very high. A woman who has an ultrasound of a child in her womb will very rarely destroy that child. Once you see the heartbeat, once you see the movement. So... What is it? That's using technology and wisdom because Roe v. Wade said, if in fact we can't tell you back in 1970 when life begins, but if in fact is proven that that's life begins at conception, then they're entitled to the, 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 what the Constitution says of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So it's going to fall on the grounds of both technology and on truth. Okay, that's, that's a... So, when we look at pulling down demonic stronghold, what is the stronghold in your own life? Well, let me give you a stronghold. Years ago, I've been a tither now, I think 35, maybe 40 years, I forget. Um, but when I first was coming into the church and getting Revelation started uh, reading the book, and I'd read Malachi that says, you stole from me, and you're under a curse. 
And I said, well, that's Old Testament. But then I would read in um, Matthew 23, 23, or Luke eleven forty two, 42, Jesus engages the Pharisees. And he says, they're so careful to tithe every little thing that comes to them as a gift. He says, you're so careful to even tithe your, your, your dill and your kum, your, those things. But you should tithe. But what about the more important things of love and relationships? You Pharisees are a bunch of hypocrites. So I read that and I'm like, well, gee, that's red little word. That's what Jesus said you should tithe. Malachi says, I'm under a curse. He won't rebuke the devourer for my sake. Test me in this. Try me in this. And then I go into Hebrews and it says, they, they, even before the law was in place, because I used to have an argument that, uh, well, that was before the law. Tithing? No, no. Abraham tithed before there ever was a law with Moses, right? So here was the stronghold. If you think of a stronghold of a, of a thinking which we're supposed to take captive, the stronghold in my heart was, I don't need to tithe. I want to hold on to my 10%. But I read the word and says, that's not mine. He loaned it to me so that I could give it back to him. And so the stronghold was, I don't want to tithe because I want to hold on to it. Well, behind a stronghold is a lie. What was the lie? Well, God may not provide for me. I really need that 10%. It's, it's really, it's a lie. And behind a lie is fear. Fear of lack. Poverty spirit. Behind that is idolatry, idol to money or to self, self-reliance. And it's usually rooted in doubt and unbelief. I don't know if God will really, is he, is he really Jehovah Jireh? I read Jehovah Jireh, the provider, but um, I, I don't know. I, I like the salvation part of this, but this whole tithing part, Lord, I... I'm just telling you, it was battling my heart. Because my wife is such a woman of faith. I would bring her, look here with the word, yeah, we got a tithe. And like, well, what about the bills? And maybe it's on the gross. You know, they didn't have this IRS stuff and all that. No, they had more. In fact, I think if you add it up, it was almost 37% the Israelis gave in, in sin offerings and, tithe, and gift offerings. And, so what's the point? This is the point where a stronghold, evaluate the stronghold of thinking that is a lie in your life. It could be fear, lack. Nobody will ever love me. I'm depressed. God's not for me. He's disappointed in me. Those are all lies, strongholds. And Paul says, we don't fight these things in human strength. We need to take those captive, pull down that ungodly thought, that lie, pull it down, destroy that stronghold. All right? Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. We're getting there. You guys okay? All right. Trying to build the, the, the blockhouse here. If you look at that outline cover, uh, the, the old man part, just before number one. The old man, it says in Romans 6, 6, the old man, he's, he's not talking about me or Dave. He might be, but the old man is crucified in Christ so sin might lose its power in our lives. The old man is crucified in Christ so that sin might lose its power. Romans 6, in fact, tells us to drown the old man. Well, it didn't quite say it that way, but let's, let's, let's look at you there. Romans chapter 5 and 6. I want to start out in 5 and we'll move into 6. I love this. I mean, you ought to meditate on Romans. Take a week and just really, really, really quietly dig into it. I mean, you, you will get so pumped about his faithfulness. Oh, my goodness. 
Um, verse 1, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. This is, I'm not a sinner hanging on. I am a saint. I have, I have been declared righteous. 11 times in three chapters there, you've been made righteous. You are the righteousness of Christ. But, but pastor, you don't know what I think about and how would I say sometimes when I hit my finger with a hammer and, and you're still the righteousness of Christ. You just uh, need a little more fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Holy mackerel, I have peace with you, God. Even in all my mess and my past. Yes, the blood of Jesus, I told you, we overcame by the blood of the Lamb. And now your testimony in me, you have defeated him. You have now peace with God in him. I, God's peaceful with me. He's not an angry God looking for us to, right? I love that. And then he goes, verse three, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. But verse two, I say, it says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Wow. Undeserved privilege. That's why when we're walking through the, I was telling Terry to smile, Terry. We're going under the river. You're going to live forever with Jesus in undeserved privilege and riches and fathomable, unfathomable riches. If that doesn't make you happy, something's wrong with you and me. That's why when Mary asked, we ought to be the happiest people on your right. Why are you so happy? Because I'm living forever in unfathomable riches. You're just plain weird, Pastor. Yes, I am. Glory to God. I'm a very peculiar man. All right. Look at verse 9. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. And since his friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we rejoice wonderfully with this new relationship with God because the Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Go ahead, try this one. When you meet somebody at the mall, I'm God's friend. I knew those neighbors were really weird. But it's in the book. I'm a friend of God. You, you can wake up, good morning, friend. I mean, this, uh, wow. Okay, this, this ought to get you really happy, right? All right, now you go on, you read the rest of chapter five. It's just amazing. Look at, let's, I'll have to cherry pick for time here, but let's, let's look at verse 16. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin, from Adam's sin that led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads us to being made right with God. Here we are again. We're being made right. We're being made right. You're righteous. You're made right. You're righteous. You're made. Oh, I, I think I'm getting it. And even though we're guilty of many sins, how many can say amen to that? That wasn't good enough. Okay, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but God is greater, his wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 19, and the one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because of the other person who obeyed God, we will be made righteous. Righteous. 
God's law was given to all the people. They could see how sinful we were, but the people who sinned were more and more. God's wonderful grace became more abundant. And just as sin ruled over the people, the rules instead giving us the right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ. Six, one. Remember, there were no chapters way back when. Well then, should we keep on sinning so God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not! Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined with him in his death? For we died and were buried with him by baptism. There you go. If you've never been baptized before, come on June to the Carolina beach at 6 p.m. Be water. Or you were sprinkled once before or maybe it didn't take the first time. Or you just, I don't know. Just come. That doesn't say you can't come again, right? But what you're saying is this old dude, he needs to die. This old bag of bones, it needs to die. And when I come out, I'm going to drown that old man. And pastor, you can hold me down. Hold me down till it takes. Hallelujah. Don't tempt me. <laughs> anyway. Okay. For we did, we died when we were baptized with him. Turn over, it says this. The old man, the old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Why? So that sin might, might, might lose its power. You, in fact, there's a whole, I won't go into the Greek on this one, but I put it down. Kartagego means unemployed. But that whole phrase of might lose its power means to be done away with. That it might, its power might be done away with. That it might be unemployed in your life. Now, if you feed that old sucker, he'll come alive. You can walk with Jesus. I, man, it is really scary for me. I've walked with people who were so on fire. I saw them per performing miracles in overseas. Blind eyes open. And then they start wandering off. They get offended. They open the door. They start messing where they shouldn't have been messing. And they are to the point where now they don't even attend church. They don't even profess faith. I'm talking ordained ministers. Any one of it. We're like really close to the edge. People say, well, pastor, how much can I dabble near the edge? Why would you? Get, get away from the edge. Amen. Right? Well, I just want to know, can I dabble? He says, no, not everything's lawful for me. I mean, everything's lawful, but not everything's permissible. I mean, everything's permissible, but not everything is what I should do. Well, do I lose my salvation if I open that? No, no. But you can walk into darkness to the point of renouncing your faith. You will know them by their lifestyle. What does he mean when he says those who, in Galatians, right? Those who dabble in... Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Turn with me. Come on. Galatians chapter 5. There's some scary scriptures. There, there's those in one camp that says, once saved, always saved. And they can give me the scriptures. And then there's those that say, no, you can mess where you shouldn't be a messing, and you can lose it. Here's one of the scriptures that ought to make us nervous. Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Amen. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, just as opposite to the spirit. That's why you got to drown that guy, right? And, this, and take him, you may have to drown him every day. And he gives us desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. The Holy Spirit gives us opposites. These two forces are constantly fighting one another. 
You're never free to carry on your good intentions. So when you're directed by the Spirit, you're under no obligation to follow the law of Moses, which is the flesh. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, this is what it's going to produce. Clearly, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousies, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. <laughs> Is there anything not left? <laughs> Let me tell you again, as I have told you before, anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a lifestyle comment. Those who say, well, you can lose yourself. And I'm just telling you, there's people that, whew, how did you get, when you crack that door, and sometimes it's just a little act of disobedience. Because what did he say in 1 Samuel 15? Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You can justify your rebellion. That witchcraft spirit starts operating, and it produces more and more fruit of destruction. And those who sin, it says the sin, the wages of sin is death. He's not just talking about spiritual death. He's talking about relational death. You go sleep with somebody else's wife and commit adultery, guess what? You just brought that spirit into your marriage and you wonder why your marriage is falling apart. When you're delving in pornography, what do you think you're doing? You just invited a spirit of adultery into your marriage. And then we wonder why our marriages fall apart, why this spirit's operating, because what's the spirit that's behind it? Come on, this is truth. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm walking right in the same level of fear with you. This is the spirit of wisdom and revelation that the spirit, God would give us a, a fear of reverential honor of him, but not out of, he's going to go slam me. It's out of love. I love you so much. I don't ever want to do that. So back on the outline, drown the old man. Number one, keep the old man crucified. Keep him unemployed. You are the temple, the house of the Holy Spirit. What spirit's ruling in your house? That's Galatians 5. Take control so your house is not haunted. No haunted houses. Right? Come on. What spirit's operating? Now, it's amazing. One day I can be walking over here so spiritual, and the other day I'm like, oh, my Lord, I got so much anger and resentment over Like, well, what spirit's behind that? Let's, let's look at this. He gives us, Paul even gives us wisdom on that. What spirit's ruling in your house? This can be your literal dwelling place. You got all sorts of garbage and defilements in your house. Get rid of it. We've heard many times, right? People, maybe I could use this example. Many times people will invite us over to do a blessing on their house. And I remember one time we were in a, the lady doesn't attend here anymore. She was really sick for years. Had a whole bookshelf case of books. We sat down to pray for her and my wife said, what is that book? I don't know if you remember this. She went up, I mean, the whole bookshelf was like, and it was this uh, Italian curses, the Maloika spirit that was in their bookshelf. Oh yeah, as a child, we did all that witchcraft stuff. My great grandma said, well, let's get rid of that. Let's, resound, let's, let's rebuke that spirit, right? And sure enough, you, there's stuff. I remember mom praying, with, Lord, if there's anything in my house, what did you find? Was it a ring? Was it a ring or black, a black bull? Yeah. The Masonic, was it associated with the Masonic or so? I mean, ask the Lord, is there anything in my house that needs to get thrown out? I don't want a haunted house, right? Okay. Moving right along. We are to 
Since he says this in verse in number five, since we have died to sin, we cannot continue to live in it. God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. Therefore, consider yourself dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ. God has declared an end to sin's control over us. We now have God's divine nature. I love what Peter says. We now have God's divine nature. In fact, it says, you have been given everything you need to live a godly life. We're without excuse. The Holy Spirit's more powerful. We, we have everything. We well, then, Pastor, how come I keep messing up? Okay, you just need to get, get more in love. Stop fighting yourself, the old man. Fight the spirit that is warring behind your members. God has not given us fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, right? He says in, in Galatians and Romans, says, if God, if, if you let the sinful nature control your mind, it will lead to death. Romans 8, 6. Galatians, we just read it. If you let the Holy Spirit lead your life, it produces the fruit of love, joy, and peace. Dead people don't sin. If you're dead to Christ, which he says, I'm a new creation. Now, let me try to put this in context. You say, well, I'm still battling this mess. Yeah, I know. Well, that's Paul said. You're never free from it. That's probably why he said, take up your cross daily and follow me. You need to, you need to mortify this thing every day. Nail that sucker. When that thing starts, when that, that spirit of lust and seduction stuff starts, anger and bitterness and un, unforgiveness, give me the hammer and nails. You're, you're, you're going down today. Now, let's, let's give ourselves a little more grace. Look at this. This scripture, I got to tell you, is amazing to me, even though I don't fully have a handle on it. Look at number 13. It says, we're new creations in Christ, right? We saw that. You know, we, we listed it up further in Corinthians. It says, in, you're, you're a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. So the old man is dead, unemployed. He's in a coffin. Now, I happen to be dragging that thing around, and he can come alive again if I feed him or I open up the coffin. So, but keep him nailed down there. You, you, you're not free from your flesh because we're still in. But then he goes, he says, now I'm a new creature in Christ. I love this scripture, even though I don't fully get it. Hebrews chapter 5. Turn with me there. We'll finish on this one. Hebrews chapter 5. And look at verse 7. Hebrews 5, 7. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and with tears to the one who could rescue him from death. Remember, he was in the garden. Three times he asked his father, please let this cup pass, right? And God heard his prayers because of the deep reverence for God. Didn't change the plan, but heard him. Even though Jesus was, the son, was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest. Jesus learned obedience. The Son of God learned obedience. Now, the sinless man, and turn, just turn, might be in the same page, but look at verse 11, Hebrews 5, 11. There is much more I would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you're so spiritually dull and you don't seem to even listen. <laughs> Thank you for that encouragement. You've been believers so long now, you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone else to teach you again the basics about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and you can't even eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know to even how to do what's right. Oh, now I'm motivated. Now here's the opera. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training 
have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. King James says, strong meat, verse 14, belongs to them that are of full age. Even those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So let me finish with this one. What, what I believe is, is even Jesus had to learn some things in this flesh. And it qualified him. As you start to recognize whatever your battleground is, whatever the stronghold is, listen carefully. Whatever your stronghold is, whatever is not pleasing to the Lord, whatever that is, it could be depression, despair, bitterness, unforgiveness, alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever that is that you know is not. If, if you were to stand before Jesus, he, he, he didn't like that. What you want, I want to be free of that because I want to walk with clean hands and a pure heart, not by some religious spirit where I can earn salvation. No, you're already made right with Christ if you believe in him. But now I want to present him this body, what it says in Romans, uh, Revelation 19. The, the bride has made herself ready by the good deeds she has done, her garments. So think of these Wedding dresses for the wedding feast of the Lamb. It's got smudges and dirt on it. And it's, it may look like pornography or lies or just, or, or anger or resentment or bitterness or unforgiveness. Those, you got to get those spots out. Yeah. What he's saying is that stronghold, whatever's behind that, I take authority over that stronghold. I renounce the lie of that spirit. And I realize that greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And I don't want this house haunted by any of that stuff. I'm not opening doors. I got the doors locked. I got the windows down. I got my alarm system on called the Holy Ghost. And I've got the full armor of God. I got the helmet. And I got my, my mind is in the salvation helmet. I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. I'm walking in the gospel of peace because I got peace. I'm in Jesus, the Prince of Peace. I got a belt of truth that's strapped around me and every time the enemy lies to me, the Holy Spirit says, Tom, you don't believe that lie. Come on, gird up yourself with that belt of truth and you better take that sword. You better cut that snake's head off. That word of God is full of living power. It's full of living power. And you ought to get that shield up. And you ought to hide behind it. When you don't have any faith, get behind that faithful shield. And then you ought to get that breastplate, that blood of Jesus that actually torments. It gives the devil such torment, that blood of Jesus, the, the Kevlar lining that covers my vital organs. My heart is guarded by the blood of Jesus. And I now testify that I'm a born-again fire. You better watch out, devil. You better watch out. That's, that is this process of we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. What does he want? My mom's been hearing there's another rung. We were in intercession this week. It's been powerful. It was confirmed again. We're going to go up this rung of this ladder, Gideon's ladder. He didn't even know. He didn't even know he was in the house of God, the place of where God dwelt. But there was the ladder of the angels ascending and descending, right? We're going up a rung, but who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Clean hands and pure heart. All right, let's stand. We'll be dismissed here. I want to just ask the Lord to just bring revelation, specific revelation. Make it specific to each person here. All of us, man, you can't read the word and not get convicted. You can't. Come on. There's none of us that have arrived here. There's no one, you know, self-righteously, oh, yeah, I got that all down. But we've been made right. 
We are the righteousness of Christ. He gave us everything we need to live a godly life. We can be the examples to all those. I love what you're doing. Wednesday night, I would come just for the testimonies. The things that I heard Wednesday night this past Wednesday was so amazing. People in the stores getting out of wheelchairs because you prayed for them. Another one getting saved because you talked to them about the Lord. Those that are getting healed. God, come on. Lord, I ask you to release this army on this city into families. Lord, I pray that you'd show us any blind spots, any place where there's any hauntings in our own house, where the enemy's trying to bring some kind of a stronghold, whether it's a generational stronghold. God, you said you would set us free from all the generational stuff that tries to visit us. In Exodus 20, verse 5, the sins of the father visit to the third and fourth generation, but I will bless to a thousand generations those who love me. Lord, I thank you that you love us more than we really realize. We get that Romans down in our spirit, man, God. And let it be so infectious it, it does something to the natural man. God, I thank you right now. Release Holy Spirit over this body. Come with your presence. Let the glory. We're going to stand in the glory. We're going to see the glory. There's reports coming. One of Tom, uh, Tom Jones shared that one night recently they were doing worship in a church. All of a sudden they felt like the smoke, the, uh, smoke generator from worship started going. At the end of the service they found out the smoke generator doesn't work. That was not natural smoke. They were standing in the glory. Steve Swanson, my, he's a great worship leader from Randy's. He was playing and he asked one of his people, he says, when I sing the song, listen in the background. An octave higher was a woman's voice. There was no women singing in it. God is going to have us stand in the glory. He will give it, but he's looking for a people that are hungry after him. Will we be the ones hungry enough to say, come and show yourself, God? Because our families, there's people out there that are dying. They're going to die. There's, there's, there's people that need to be set free from drugs and alcohol, from brokenness, from marriages that are tanked, for children that are wandering. We can carry this glory. Let's just stretch our hands and say, here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. You can send me. Clean me up, Lord. Wash me and cleanse me so that I can be an example to you, oh God. And I thank you, Lord. I'm so excited. One of the things I thank God, I'm so thankful to be around the people that are hungry after God. Thank you, Lord. Today, we got people out. I pray for Pastor Mike up in Jacksonville. Lord, bless him right now, outreaching there, God. Thank you for Agape Tried, leading worship for the first time in years in our Spanish church. Bless our Spanish church. Bless all the pastors and choir lofts in this city, God. Every, every house group, God, I pray. Bless our leadership, our president, on down, God. Lord, I ask you to shut the mouth of the lion. Shut the mouth of the lion and release the blessing of the lion of the tribe of Judah. The one who's come to kill, steal, and destroy, he's got to get shut up in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Ministry team, come on. Ministry team, come on.